with new people, they're, they're struggling and they're trying to figure things out. And so, you know, hearing w- what you're talking about, these are the non-conventional things, right? These, this is not the top five steps to growing your business. These are things that, that happen that no one actually talks about. And so I'm, I'm glad you're, you're, you know, you're sharing this and we're not just talking surface level. We're getting down actual action items that you can go do today. We're not talking tomorrow. We're not talking yesterday. We're not talking a week from now. You can go do these things today to help grow your business and that type of thing. You're listening to the Wedding Safari Podcast with your host, Milton Lawrence Jr., and this is episode one. On this show, we help both aspiring and seasoned wedding professionals build the business of their dreams by leveraging relevant business tips, strategies, and interviews from some of the top wedding professionals from around the world. Well, welcome, 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 wedding safarians. We're back again for another episode, and this time I have a treat for you. Okay, we're going to be setting the foundation, and we have Miss Candice Coppola, yes. planner extraordinaire, uh, designer, book author, uh, and owner of Jubilee Events and Jubilee Events. And so, guys, I cannot tell you how excited I am uh, to be interviewing this trendsetter. Um, I actually met her uh, in Barbados a few years ago at a conference, and um, you know, we danced like a lot. It was it was it was really really fun. <laughs> Awesome. But, but prior to dancing with her, she was she actually spoke, you know, and she shared her book and that type of thing. And I got a copy of the book. And I still use her book to, the, to this day uh, for various inspiration when I'm doing my style shoots um, and also sharing it with my brides um, and that type of thing. And so, you know, Candice, I'm extremely excited to have you here on the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. So, you know, what we're going to talk about today is um, this particular episode is going to be, this is the very first episode after Minds, where we're going to set the stage. You know, you, you recently wrote a blog post about how, frankly, the, the wedding industry is changing. And um, I have a really good friend of mine who, um, his name is um, Sal Sankata, and he, he taught a class a few years ago, about four or five years ago, where he talked about, you know, honestly, you have to innovate or die. And literally every year, things are changing. And that's a lot of what your, your blog post was about, is either, you know, a lot of people have been in the industry for over five years, you cannot continue to do the same thing you were doing then that you want to do do now if you want to continue to, to grow, innovate, and, and that type of thing. What are your thoughts about that? Kind of give me a feel for, you know, from, you said you did some, some research. Let's talk about that. Sure. So um, last year, we noticed a dip in our business. Um, things were just changing, and we weren't quite sure what was going on. And of course, we have our techniques and strategies that we've used and built over the last 10 years that we've been in business, and we were just running on those strategies hard trying to get out front, and we still weren't making any headway. When you've been in business for 10 years and you start to notice a dip in the number of clients that are booking your business, you get really freaked out. And my first instinct was to figure out if it was something that we were doing. And I started to research and I started to research the generation that has now come about, millennials. I'm sure everybody listening is familiar And I'm sure everyone has their opinions on millennials themselves. Um, But we started to do research on the generation. And what I noticed was that there was a big gap in in the way our business presented itself and the strategies that we were adhering to and the sort of resistance to appeal to millennials. And I started to make some changes. And once we started to adapt some changes in our business, we noticed a turnaround. It's not fully turned around, but I feel like it's something that we're working on every day and testing our strategies to appeal to this generation of clients. And I wrote that blog post 
um, because I feel like there are a lot of OGs like myself, people who've been in business for five plus years, 10 years, even longer, mm-hmm. who were sort of married still to the way that they used to do things. And that's going to be to their detriment ultimately. So that's where I set out on that blog post. And I didn't want to share too many um, strategies in there because I, I, I'm testing them out myself. And I really believe in trying to you know, test out strategies, see what worked for me, see what didn't before I sort of speak um, as an authority on them. I don't feel responsibility that I should take on just yet. But what I do know is that things are changing and they're changing rapidly. I mean, when you think about when the industry, what it was like 10 years ago, when I started, it was so different. When I started, I was like the newcomers in the industry today. I had a different way of doing things than the people before me. Um, and I sort of shook things up as did my colleagues in Connecticut who started around the same time I did. And a lot of the planners in the industry when I started who had been in business for a while, they became obsolete. They just couldn't adapt to the changing market. And I don't want to see that happen to anyone who um, has been in business for a period of time. I want them to grow with the market itself. Amazing. Um, I could not agree with you more. And I got started in the the wedding industry back in 2009, 2010. If we're trying to utilize some of those same tactics to attract brides, to attract industry partners to us, it's it's, honestly, it's just not working. So rather than talk about the solutions. Exactly. You're starting. Starting to testing those things out. Can we dive a little bit deeper on some of the things that maybe the juxtaposition from some of the things you used to do back in the day? What are some of those things? Sure. So um, when I started uh, being a wedding planner, our, our sort of motto was um, hand everything over to us and we'll take care of it for you. Our job is to do everything for you so that you can relax and enjoy the experience of planning your wedding. Mm-hmm. And that just, just a tweak in that verbiage and a shift is necessary because millennials, they don't want to be excluded from the process. They are very community oriented. And from what I've learned in in doing a lot of research and talking to people who are really smart and understand what millennials are looking for, um, they're really community oriented and they vet everything by committee. So it's not because they're incapable of making hard decisions, but it's because they value the opinions of all their trusted advisors. So it's everyone from their best friend to their parents to a Facebook group they might be a part of in planning their wedding. So you have to appeal to a community mindset. And so we've changed our language to um, in the sales process and we're rewriting the copy on our website to focus more on community and how we work alongside them to plan their wedding. And it's more of a community experience with us and their, and their trusted team we're all after the same goal, which is a fun, beautiful, and memorable occasion. Mm-hmm. And just that shift in our sales process, we've noticed a change in our booking rates. Wow, that's amazing. So that's one thing that if you're sort of in a business where, you know, you take control over everything and the client just gets to make decisions and, you know, gets to be involved in fun parts, you have to include them in everything. And not just them, you have to include their trusted advisors. So that means more work for someone like me as a planner. That means that, that I've got two moms, I've got a sister. I've got a best, uh, you know, a best man. I've got a bridesmaid. I've got all these people that want to be a part of the process that I have to, I I don't want to use the word deal. Yeah. I don't want to say the word deal with because it's not like it's a chore, but it's more work for me. And I had to get on board with that because my clients were asking for it and they were introducing these people to me and these people are important to them. So therefore they're important to the process. Have you found that shows like say yes to the dress and some of these reality, you know, wedding 
streaming shows, has that impacted some of your research and some of the things that you've been able to see out there as a planner and in doing your research? No, you know, I think my clients, just like me, like, you know, sort of naughty reality TV, but I don't think it impacts their planning process. What I did was there's not a lot of uh, literature on wedding industry specific strategies for millennials. There is some. My friend Lynn Stevens from Think Splendid is a millennial expert. She's got a lot of great articles on her website. One of those articles talks about community. She wrote it back in 2012 and it's so relevant today. It's un- it's unbelievable. I did most of my research in business blogs, things that are totally outside of the wedding industry, but that can be applied to obviously our service-based and product-based industry. So let's talk about that. You, you mentioned that, you know, you did a lot of your research um, outside. I got mm-hmm. started, as I mentioned, 2009, 2010, but I came from a defense contracting background. So heavy project mm-hmm. management, heavy IT, that type of thing. And one of the strategies, you know, in that world was to look outside of the IT world to find out what was working in other industries and to bring those things back into the processes. You know, you don't have to say specifically where you search for some of the things, but what, where does some of the mm-hmm. things look at outside of the wedding industry uh, to help you to kind of cultivate, I guess, your new workflows, your new processes to help you to impact to grow your business? Sure. Well, um, I recently, and this is going to sound so strange because this is what, how I started my business in social media. It's all that was available in 2007 okay. was Twitter. And I started following people on Twitter who are really marketing savvy, sales savvy, people who know business and understand business. And from there, I just started researching articles, following links and doing my own research and adapting some of those links into my app where I sort of take everything and then I look through it every day and see what I can learn today about marketing strategies or sales techniques for millennials. I also grabbed all the information that really appealed to me or that I felt was super relevant. And I started a Google Doc, which I have shareable with my team and then also shareable with somebody who's in a mastermind with me. And we're constantly adding data to that Google Doc. So it's just like sticking points. For instance, millennials are uh, seem to be very driven on price. And if you've noticed that you have had a lot of pushback on what you're charging, it's probably because the people who are attracted to you are also price conscious. So we've been doing some research on what the threshold is in our markets in Barbados and in Connecticut on price. Mm -hmm. And listen, for the past 10 years, I've been told that I should charge what I'm worth. And I've told people this as well, that um, I should get paid for my art. You know, all these great things like charge what you're worth and get paid what you deserve. But at the end of the day, if I'm leaving a $9,000 contract on the table because they only have $8,000 to spend, well, then I'm just shooting myself in the foot and I need to reevaluate my pricing because I'd rather have $8,000 than no thousand dollars. So we've been sort of, <laughs> we've been, we've been sort of, um, and you preach it to them, baby. Keep it, keep it. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to apologize for, I mean, as long as you charge a fair wage for the amount of work you're doing in your experience and in your marketplace, I don't think you need to apologize if you're wheeling and dealing a little bit, because at this stage, the market is really saturated. It's really saturated with new talent that you cannot discredit just because they don't have experience. Doesn't mean that they won't gain experience and then be five steps out in front of you. So listen, there's, there's no shame in my game at all. So if I need, I mean, I need to feed myself and I need to pay my rent and I need to pay my car payment. And if that means that I finagle my pricing in order to fit into somebody's 
you know, what they're looking to spend and what I'm comfortable with, then I'm just going to do that. Oh man. So the reason I created the wedding safari, yes, the, the industry's growing, right? It's grow, growing like a wildfire. Yes. We've now added same sex yeah. to the pot, but equally as yeah. the, the industry's growing, it has expanded. So has the barrier of entry into to DJ into photography to, oh, to yeah. across the board. And so right now there is not an authority, an authoritative source to get your information from. And so there's a lot of gurus that are out yeah. there, you know, in no shade to any of them, but many of them are speaking are, are really mm-hmm. alternate banter of charge what you're worth. And, and that's fine. If brand new, right? Right. Start, I'm under five years and I'm still trying to figure this thing out as far as my portfolio is concerned, how to attract brides to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and with millennials really just really taking over, not necessarily taking over, but they're a very large part of the you know bridal population at this point. You know, how do I position myself? What are some of the things I should be doing early on to ensure I can grow and in, in, in that type of thing? What are your thoughts on that? Sure. So I think um, first things first, when you start a business, you have to have a business plan. And I see a lot of people and the barrier to entry is very small um, and people are just able to jump in, get a business card, put up a website. They're already tech savvy. They they can build their own website. You've got things like Wix and Squarespace that can basically do it for you. So literally you can open up a business overnight, but if you want to own a profitable business, even if it's a part-time business, you need to have a business plan. So first things first, old school, you you need to put together a business plan for your business. So that's not outdated, That's not outdated. Having a business is not outdated. No. Oh my God. No, (laughs) no, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you would think that it probably is at this point, but no, you, you must have a business plan. And in that business plan, you need to do market research. So you need to understand like, what are your colleagues in your industry charging for their services? How is that made up? And I'm a firm believer that if you have talent and you have drive and you're in this because you care about the end product, then you should jump in and charge a fair wage and charge where you want to start. Don't ever think that you're going to enter the industry and charge nothing, do things for free or do really low budget work and be able to excel beyond that point. It's what you're going to be known for. So if you're shooting, if you're a photographer and you're shooting budget weddings at the VFW to start because that's who you're getting, how are you going to appeal to a client who's getting married at a country club? They're going to look at your VFW weddings and be like, no, this isn't for me. I mean, the photography is nice, but it's just not my style. I'm going to go with someone else. So you want to start where you want to land and then you can build your pricing as your experience level grows, um, as you want to make more money and as your overhead grows. Oh man, that's solid. So your book, you showcased it beautifully and thanks. Oh man. So if you guys don't know the name of the book, it's called the white dress in color, uh, inspirations for the modern bride. And what I will say to you is, and you get, you're getting a lot of love on Facebook live right now. Um, Lil and you know, my, Oh, thanks guys. Yeah. You're getting a lot. You're dropping gems. I'm actually about to cut this off. Um, because again, I want you to watch, I want you to listen to the first episode of the podcast. Okay. And that type of thing. So I'm going to see <laughs> on Facebook live. See you guys later. And, um, this will actually launch here on tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, this actually will be live tomorrow. My awesome. He's on stand, he's on standby waiting for us to complete this and uh, he's going to get everything ready to go. And this will be live tomorrow. Okay. And you can find it on iTunes. Um, awesome. I have the link on the wedding safari community. It's a free community for people to, to come to, um, and that type of thing. But I want to finish up this conversation about, you know, talking about building your portfolio and positioning yourself, um, so that you can start to attract the brides that you're looking mm-hmm. So I'm going to sign off here on Facebook really quickly. That's done. All right. Now, Candace, talk to me. 
how do I position myself? I'm brand new. Yes. I'm, under the, I'm in the industry for less than five years. I'm getting the VFW weddings. I'm assisting my butt off. Um, but obviously, I can't use any of those images because it's not really attracting what I'm looking for. How do I position myself so that brides right. can find me um, and that type of thing? Well, going back to the business plan, that's number one. Uh, reevaluating what you've been doing wrong, I think, is number two. So if you're not hitting your target market, then you need to get inside the head of your target market and do more market research okay. on the people that you're looking to appeal to. I would also network with vendors who are already in front of the type of clientele that you want to be in front of. That's the easiest way. If you network with a florist who is already appealing to specific type of clients, then they would be more apt to refer you from their clients. Um, same thing with the bridal store, same thing with the planner and venues. I mean, the typical course of action for a couple is that they will uh, set a wedding date, find a venue. If there's a bride in the mix, she'll get her gown. And those are two people who you want a venue and uh, bridal stores who you want to network with because they're typically the first people to have their hands on a client and a planner. So if you get in front of vendors who are already in front of the clientele that you want to be in front of, then you have a much bigger chance of appealing and attracting that audience. You also want to look at your branding. Maybe your branding just doesn't appeal to a certain type of clientele that you're targeting. And I think that branding goes way deeper than a logo and colors and, and your website and your business cards. It's really the core of your business plan, what your business is about, its purpose. So when you have that foundation laid for your business and you have a business plan, that should dictate how your brand should look and feel because people will see the face of your business for what it is and dive a little bit deeper to understand what your business's true purpose is. Wow. So if you're finding that you're having some issues with booking the type of clientele you want to book, I would take some time, take a cold, hard look at your strategies. I would do a lot of research and try to educate yourself as much as you can, especially free education podcasts like this with people who are experts or people who are very knowledgeable about certain things, blog posts from experts outside the wedding industry, but in the business industry and just educate yourself. You don't have to buy a course to learn certain things. You can just do the research yourself to figure out where you might need to shift your focus and adjust your business strategies. So I want to dive a little bit deeper on reaching out to, I'm, I'm a context guy, right? And so yeah. there's a lot of blog posts, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, platforms that are out there that teach very high level, but they don't really dive deep to say, okay, tell me how to, we're going to use this as an example. Okay. I'm new or I've been under five years and Candace said, one of the things I should do is to you know, partner with venues, partner with, you know, industry experts and either partner with local uh, bridal stores, because that's one of the places mm -hmm. where brides go to first, right? How would I specifically go about going to the, a bridal? Let's say I had a list of 10 bridal stores. I Google them. How would I approach them such yeah. that they see me as a credible person? They know that I'm either new, I'm, I'm building, they, they at least hear my message. You understand my question? Sure. Okay. How would I do Yeah, that? that's a great question. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's, it can be very hard because um, established business uh, that have great reputations are, are sought after. So, I mean, we get emails from photographers constantly introducing them, to, introducing us to their work and wanting us to refer to them. We vet every single person. We check out their portfolio and we do, we, we do try to keep tabs on everybody who contacts us and tries to refer. We try to refer and we also try to, um, you know, just keep them in mind for any opportunities. But 
for you, if you're looking to network, you want to get out front. You want to try and meet the owner. You want to, if you're a photographer, offer to come into their store and photograph it if it's a bridal store so that they can have some new images for their website. Offer to do headshots of their staff. Offer to maybe photograph a bride's final fitting so that they could use those images to promote something. Uh, offer to collaborate on an upcoming shoot. So there are a lot of ways. I mean, it's a putting yourself out there a little bit, but when you, this industry is just so wonderful in the sense that when you put yourself out there a little bit and you help someone, Great they're going to in turn help you back. That's the best kind of networking. Great things happen. My goodness. Exactly. Net networking is when you step into any networking scenario, you want to say, what can I do to help this person? And not what, what can this person do for me? Value so for when you, price. when you step into an, exactly. When you step into a networking situation and you do your best to try to help that person that you've just met or give them advice or anything like we've talked about, uh, that's going to make a lasting impression on that person. And they're more apt to do the same for you. Oh man. So one of the things that I, that I did early on, um, when I was trying to meet boutique owners, I was, I was the VFW guy. Mm -hmm. I, I was assisting. I was getting, you know, a lot of what I would call my economy wedding. Yeah. And I wanted to get into the boutique mm -hmm. slash lux market. And so, and I play in the, in the boutique slash lower, lower lux market now. But early on, one of the things that I would do is that I know that these owners, they're very busy. And I realized that yeah. I would reach, I, I tried their approach of reaching out to them directly via email, you know, and that type of thing. And the reality of it is they, I saw that they read my email, but many times they didn't get back to me. And then early on, I realized yeah. that, you know, no, the word no wasn't necessarily a bad thing or not hearing from them was right. did not mean no, right? So I had to continue to reach out to them right. over and over and over and over again. But then I realized that one of the things that has worked for me, and hopefully, you know, if, if you're listening to this, is that all of them network with the community. And if you can figure out what the community mm -hmm. is, whether it's the local small business association, typically if the boutique is inside of a, a shopping center, they typically have some type of community. If you can figure out what that community is, they normally host quarterly meetings, monthly meetings and things like that. And you show up to that, seeing somebody face to face makes a huge difference than that cold contact of, of an email, right? And that type of thing. And so- Agreed. You know, face to face. Agreed. And you come, you show up sharp, you show up ready to go, business cards ready prepared for just about any scenario. That coupled with an email makes all the difference in the world. God forbid you've helped anybody inside there too, and you you get that you get that testimonial from somebody else that's in the community. It really really helps with building that credibility and getting to the yes that you're looking for. And then with everything else that Candace talked about, you just take it from there. What are your thoughts about that? I totally agree. I, I agree with you completely. I mean, it can be a very tight knit community in the wedding industry, especially for established businesses. As somebody who's been doing this for ten years, I have my favorite photographers that I use that I always refer to. But we're always also looking for new options. Um, but I do have my preferred photographers. One thing I will say, we used to get this all the time when we had our office in Connecticut, our physical office, was we used to get materials that people would spend so much money on to send to us, books and a bottle of champagne and all these things. And, and some of it falls on deaf ears. And I know that they spent a lot of money in producing that material. Um, if they were to just pick up the phone and call me and we could have a fun conversation and laugh and sort of find some commonality between one another it probably wouldn't went, would have went a lot farther with me than the time and energy they put into creating some beautiful photography booklet that they sent to me. I mean, a lot of those things just end up in the garbage. And I hate to say that, but it's just the truth. So my suggestion is um, to not invest too much in those materials. You can always send a gift to someone that always goes a, a little bit farther. If you see that, you know, 
somebody had a bad day on Instagram and you send them a little something, you know, that, that, that says a lot. I remember I had a, a stationer who read a, a tweet of mine that I was licking every envelope and stamp for wedding invitations. And this was back in like 2010. Her name is Kelly. And, um, she owned, uh, she's not in business anymore, but she owned a beautiful papery company. And she literally went to the store and bought me one of those bottles with the sponge on the end and sent me two of them. And it came to me the next day and it was a little, little note. And she's like, girl, stop licking stamps. Here you go. And it was, and it will stick forever in my mind. She made a lasting impression. We love Kelly. I still talk to her this day. So you can do little things too, to make an impression on someone. Listen, see if there's some way that you can connect with them on a level like that. Absolutely. But unfortunately, a lot of those booklet materials and those things that you spend hundreds of dollars on to try to get your name out, a lot of times they just end up in the garbage under someone's desk. And I hate that. I hate that. But it's just the truth. So a lot of times, a lot of those strategies are talked about on various platforms. And I know in the commercial mm-hmm. photography space, I, I, shoot, I, I shoot both. Um, in the commercial photography space, your portfolio is everything, right? And so when authorities mm-hmm. are talking about sending, sending, sh- showcasing your work in the best place possible, the, the mindset behind that is that that's how you're going to treat that person's client, right? And that type of thing. But here's what I found. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you 100%. This is where the work comes in. You know, becoming a lifesaver. That's what Kelly was to you. She was a lifesaver, right? That requires yeah. that I yeah. spend some time getting to know you. And so one of the things that I teach is make a mm-hmm. top, you know, make a top 10 people that you want to be part of that person's network and you get to know them. And it starts with social media, by following them on social media and that type of thing. And the window of opportunity will always present itself, but you have to be paying attention. And so having a cluttered uh, social yes. media space, following a bunch of people that are on your business page that don't necessarily, you know, fit into your industry is actually hurting you because when they, when that message comes out about that individual, you need to be able to see it. And so it's extremely important that in, in my opinion, when you're, when you're working, when you're looking, working on building a relationship with someone, you need to be able to see these people's messages. And so making sure that you're in tune to what they're doing makes, just, it makes all the difference in the world. So, that, so you can have that lifesaver moment is, is what essentially what I call it. I agree with you 100%. And I also think that social media these days, people throw up a picture on Instagram or a post on Facebook, and then they sort of step back and they don't engage people beyond that. And social media is a, whatever platform you're using, it's a platform to engage others. So one of the biggest things you can do for your business is twice a day, go through your Instagram feed and like every person's picture that you follow and leave comments, like genuine comments, address something that they wrote in the caption or tell them how beautiful something is that they post or offer some support if they're sharing something that they're experiencing that's troubling. Take the time to invest in people and if you follow someone on Instagram or if you, um, you know, are friends with someone on Facebook or whatever, take a moment to invest in them. It will come back to you. I promise. I do it every day. I try to be present as I can for the people that I follow. I like every photograph of people I follow. If I follow you, I like you. So I automatically like what you post. And I try to leave encouraging words or whatever I can on people's images or on their posts, um, just letting them know that I was there. It helps them in ways too, where, you know, it bumps their content up to the top. They get more eyes on it. You're just helping your local community and you're connecting with people. Don't just sit back and post things and expect people 
to interact with you. You have to interact with them. My mother used to say back in the day, you have to give before you get, right? It's true. That value proposition of giving yourself away. And sometimes it's giving yourself away with no expectation of anything coming in return. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it makes all the difference in the world. You know, Candace, you know, you're giving away so many gems at this point. You know, and, and here's the thing. One of the things us as, as we call it, OGs in the business, we tend to forget some of these things, right? We, we, because we, mm-hmm. right? But for the new people that are just coming on board, and again, if you're under five years, I still feel like you're still coming on board, right? There are people that are just getting, you know, I'll go back to us being OGs. We do this. It's just a part of the fabric of who we are to grow our businesses and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But new people, they're, they're struggling and they're trying to figure things out. And so, you know, hearing w- what you're talking about, these are the non-conventional things, right? These, this is not the top five steps to growing your business. These are things that, that happen that no one right. actually talks about. And so I'm, I'm glad you're, you're, you know, you're sharing this and we're not just talking surface level. We're getting down into the nitpicks of exactly these are actual action items that you can go do today. We're not talking tomorrow. We're not talking yesterday. We're not talking a week from now. You can go do these things today to help grow your business and that type of thing. I'm going to wrap up with two last questions okay the first because we we could go on this is this is <laughs> we could like seriously so what's working for you right now right i know early on we, we talked about some of the things that are happening in the, in the millennial space but if you could like maybe one or two things that are that, that are working for you really 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 well that the safarians can take and potentially you know either you know utilize for their business Sure. So tech would be one. Uh, Millennials are uh, really interested in technology for their wedding planning, and they want technology that makes their planning easier, uh, easier ways to communicate and also fun. So two tech tools that have really done a number on our business. The first is HoneyBook. We use that for all of our invoicing, all of our proposals and contracts and payments. It has really changed the way that we do business. And when I say I was an OG, I was the lady who was sending you a PDF for you to print out sign <laughs> and scan back to me or worse mail it to me with your check so we have basically you know taken that call to action and we have minimized it to literally seconds people can make split second end cap purchases with us which is what we like okay. um in the sense that they book quickly they purchase quickly and we get rolling quickly i love honeybook i'm also one of their business coaches okay um and aisle planner is another thing that uh, we've introduced into our business we had our own systems and processes that very much mirrored aisle planner, but it was very cumbersome for us to facilitate to-do lists and all these things using the technology that we had, which was Adobe, uh, to create all these things. So we adopted aisle planner and our clients really love it. They can invite other members of their community, like their mom or their bridesmaids to be a part of aisle planner. They just love the experience of going in there and seeing where they're and planning their wedding, what their budget is, what inspiration. We've tucked in there their con- their contacts. So that's been really good. So tech has absolutely changed the way that we do business. And I've seen a big um, change in the number of people who book us because of things like HoneyBook. And we sell aisle planner in our consultations. So it's just an added value for clients and they're very intrigued by it every time we talk about it. So that's great. One other thing that um, we've changed drastically is just our sales approach. So HoneyBook allows us to send out an automatic email that lets people know we've received their information via our, our contact form. And we send a, a secondary questionnaire 
And in that questionnaire, we ask a lot of questions that are relevant to the client, but it helps us to build a customized sales pitch to this couple. So we learn more about them as people so that we can prepare a sales pitch that is personalized to them, which has increased our booking rate. Wow. So our sales method, we've had the same sales method for nine years. We changed it. And what we changed it to was more personal, less business. We're trying to make connections with people. And I truly believe that when you can connect with the lead on a personal level, a genuine, authentic personal level, they have an attachment to you over maybe your competitors. And you might win that job solely because the two of you guys really like each other. So that's what we've been focusing on in some, some of the changes that we've made based on all that research I did. Wow. So second part to that question, we're going to go to the other side of that pendulum. Your biggest lesson learned mm-hmm. last 12 to 24 months as, as things have started to shift. What has been like your biggest lesson learned that obviously you, you're obviously making changes towards? Sure. Um, I would say that I, I can't rest on the laurels of my experience. Wow. Um, and that I need to constantly evolve. Um, I might have 10 years. I might have 10 years on my competition, but that doesn't mean anything to the people who are reaching out to me. I have to prove myself more to people who want to hire me. And I've also learned, I've sort of refamiliarized myself with why I do what I do. I guess you could say I found my purpose. Come on. And there was a point in my... <laughs> Uh, is this, this is really true. Um, there was a time in my business, I was going through hard times in my life and um, my clients were difficult. They weren't maybe the best clients and maybe I wasn't the best planner. And I felt like quitting, to be honest. It was just so much stress and um, not a lot of thank yous. And I took a step back and I discovered my purpose. And my purpose for me, why I do this, and it's never lost on me, is that I get to create a memory for a family. My job is creating memories for people. And I don't take it lightly that I'm invited into a family to experience the good, the bad, and the ugly. Every family has it and be with them as they merge two families together. And that's my purpose. Once I defined that, that emotional level that I connect with my clients, I started to notice that the clients that I was booking were clients who just loved me, loved our business. You know, if things didn't go 100% the way they had envisioned, it wasn't like a throwdown. They were cool. They were like, you know what? Shit happens. What can you do? They They trusted us. And at the end of the day, I mean, they, they maintain contact with me. We're like, we're friends. Beyond the way. And that's what I want. Oh, man. I tore down that business mentality, that sort of black suit, high heel, nondescript handbag mentality of doing business with clients. And I tried to create friendships with people, genuine ones. And what I got back in return were clients who, you know, think the world of me and all of the people who work alongside me. And you can't buy that. You can't buy client happiness like that. So that's the major lesson I learned was to find my purpose and not rest on the, lo- the, the laurels of my experience. Man, watch that. Here's the last question. We're going <laughs> to the last one. Yeah. Candace from 10 years ago, when you first got started, right? In, in, in 2000 and, mm-hmm. yeah, 2007. Seven, yeah. yeah so if you could give her a piece of advice, one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, watch your money. 
Oh, that's what I would tell her. I would, I would tell her, watch your money and try not to grow so big so quick. Um, there was a time in my business where my business expenses and overhead were so big and, um, it was just eating my business up. So I would tell the 2007 Candace to grow, grow a little slower and spend a little less. Wow. Well, Candace, we want to say thank you. My goodness, we listen. Thanks. So, you know, mom, I'd love to bring you back to do a pulse check. Yeah. To just, just to bring you back, you know, once every six months, maybe once a year, something like that, just to do kind of the state of the wedding. Sure. I would love to bring you back and, and, and do that. And um, thank you. How can people follow you? How can people find you? Do you have any upcoming courses? Because that's going to be the next question. Like, you know, you're, you're dropping gems, right? And we're not talking surface level. How can people find you? How can they, you know, follow your brand? That type of thing. Sure. So, if you're an event planner who's looking to get into the industry, I'm a tutor at the QC Event School, which is, I highly recommend. It's a great accredited school based in Canada. They service students all over the world. You'll build a great foundation and education. Just reach out to me personally. I'll put you in touch with them. I also offer uh, one-on-one business coaching. I help business owners find their purpose and create a business with profit. You can go to my website, CandiceCoppola.com um, and learn more about me there. Uh, my blog is linked there too. So that blog post that Milton was talking about, you can go and read that and other we'll ones that I've written. Well. Um, you can friend me on, pardon? So we'll put that in the show notes as well. We'll put that direct link in the, in the show notes as well. Oh, awesome. Um, and then you can follow me on Instagram, eventjubilee, uh, and my Twitter, which is where I mostly put business ideas, retweet things, um, and talk business with people. And that's Candice underscore Coppola.com. And you can find me on Facebook too. I'm happy to have more friends on Facebook. Wow. 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 And I'll also, I forgot to mention, I'll also be speaking at the signature CEO conference, which is uh, in November and it's right outside of Washington, DC. You can find out more about that conference and what I'll be talking about there, um, by going to the signature CEO conference.com. Yeah, that's Sarah Melvin's event. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it is going to be awesome. They, they, they put they put together a really, really well, you know, well-organized, content-packed conference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's, it's really a good one to uh, to invest in and that type of thing. So, again, Candice Coppola, thank you yeah, so much Tar- for coming into the show. Uh, you about to say something about Tara? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. No, I was just going to say um, Tara's really focused on um, giving business owners in the wedding industry actual tangible information that they can take back to their business and put into place. It's not one of these inspirational conferences. It's legitimately grab your pen, grab your paper and listen, because you're going to get a lot, a wealth of information that is actually information you can act on. So solid, solid. Well, well the goal is to be able to bring Tara into the show and to talk about the CEO conference and some of the things that she's doing in that space. And so thanks. Thank you for that plug. You know, the more information with, with real conferences that are can really, really empower people, but not just empower you, give you actual, as you mentioned, tangible things you can, you can actually go do that. That's what this is all about. That's that's what we're trying to, to cultivate. And, and put out there. So again, thank you so much, Candice, uh, for coming on to the show. And again, you know, the Wedding Safarians, make sure you follow her, pick up her book. If you guys, you can, is it on Amazon? It is on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Noble and it's uh, at fine retailers, small bookstores, which I recommend you support local small bookstores first. Okay. And the name of the book again is The White Dress and Color, Inspiration for the Modern Bride. And you co-authored that book, correct? I did with Carla Tanayk and Beth Chapman. And our second book, um, we can't tell you when it's going to be released, but it'll hopefully be coming out soon. And I'm really excited about that. 
standpoint. Well, as soon as the book comes out, let's come on back onto the show so we can talk about it, the mindset of how we got there and what people can, how they can leverage the book to be able to help them to grow their businesses. Awesome. Sounds great. Okay. Well, awesome stuff. Thank you so much. You guys will see the, the full transcription in the, in the show notes. Um, we'll also have a summary and um, that's a wrap. Wedding Safarians out. Full disclaimer, the Wedding Safari team fundamentally believes that there's enough wedding business out there for anyone who wants it. Furthermore, we all have to get started from somewhere. Having the proper map and compass to guide you through the Wedding Safari is what we're here to do. Thank you for listening to the Wedding Safari Podcast. If you like this episode or found any of the information valuable, please share. We're also available on Google Play and anywhere you find your podcast. Spread love and tell a friend. Thanks again. Until next time.